Yeah, we're good. We're good. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. We're just going to call it the podcast for now. Uh, And I don't know if this is season three or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. What this is is an attempt at getting back on the podcast. And in the last episode of the podcast, I told people that I was going to produce it a little bit more and and try to be a little bit more creative. But I realized that that wasn't going to happen now. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm not ready. So I'm just going to uh, get this thing started. And um, today is kind of special because I'm joined here by, I guess uh, we'll call you uh, producer, co-creative director, Ryland Hormel. Is that correct? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if I, I was going to mispronounce that. No, it's Hormel. Hormel. Actually, Hormel. Hormel? But it was, um, I think that's the... the uh, old German way of saying it, which got lost in translation. Lost in translation. Yeah. How, did, how did we meet, Rye? Uh, we originally met through, I'd say, Ryan Muncie is the common connection, and uh, you came on another podcast that I'm a part of, The Better Human Project. And yeah, we met here in San Francisco, recorded, and I don't know, five months went by, six months, and then I reached out to you when I moved back to San Francisco. Right, and the timing was impeccable because you reached out to me right as I, which this is actually a good segue because uh, one of the reasons for starting the podcast today without any plans. (laughs) Yeah, we're just, we're flowing. We're flowing. One of the reasons for starting the podcast today without any plans is because I thought it was important to address um, some of the transitions that I've been going through. And the major transition is that I have decided to move on from coaching movement in the fitness and CrossFit space to uh, growing into this next iteration of my career, which I don't know exactly what it is, which is pretty crazy. And as I was going through that transition, uh, you reached out to me, we grabbed coffee, and I think I told you that day that uh, I was kind of done. Yeah, you were like day three of being done. That's crazy. So, and I, I myself was going through a similar transition. So we kind of had this convergence of like, um, we we deeply resonated with what we were thinking about and um, some of the maybe problems and frustrations we were feeling of certain industries we were a part of. Um, and yeah, it's funny cause I reached out to you, um, thinking that I would, you know, maybe step in and be able to help you with some visual work with freestyle and whatnot. And then it just turned into this whole other conversation that we, you know, just kind of kept evolving on week after week. And so we ended up, I don't know, I, I think for the past two months we've met at least once a week. I think it's been now, uh, three months, three months. And we've had no structure to that, but just continue the conversation and kind of surrender to what was happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we found this, um, it, to me, it felt like very generative. 
like each each week we kind of built off of the previous mm-hmm. and it led us it started to open up new doors right and um i think that we we started to um discover a lot of things and that was fun it was a fun process to like be in the place of like we don't know get humble about that and let's see what's out there and and what what happened to me was that I felt this spark of curiosity come back. And it was something that I felt um, for the past two years had kind of started to fade away from me a little bit. And like, that's, that's a hard thing as I consider myself an artist and a creative to like start to feel less curious, which then has like the byproduct of feeling less ambitious too. Um, and part of that was just getting sucked into um work and um, thinking about finances too much and feeling like I had to do things that um, I didn't necessarily want to do to make a living um, without having a vision of like where I wanted to be going. Yeah, that's massive. That's massive. Well, I guess um, to rewind a little bit, I had just come back. So let's rewind, rewind even further. So I felt like the beginning of this year, 2019, it was going to be it was going to be the year of change. I could feel that it was going to be a hard year and that I was going to transition in some way. I didn't know how, but I was going to. And uh, as the year went on, I started realizing how tired I was getting, especially from traveling. And as I was getting tired from traveling and teaching all these seminars, I told myself, okay, you've been doing this for over 10 years. Your body is is starting to hurt, something needs to change. But immediately, as soon as I thought about trying to change what I currently had, I knew that was going to affect income. It was going to affect the way that I was working on a daily basis. Uh, My whole lifestyle was going to change. So I was uh, met with a lot of resistance. But then on July 9th, I was like, okay, screw this. I'm just going to put out a little post on Instagram. And I made a little video on July 9th saying... Uh, this year I traveled X amount. Next year I'm going to cut that down to uh, 20%. And I knew that when I was saying that, that there was a massive chance I would not succeed. Like I, I wouldn't. I, I was saying it out loud, but I was definitely not believing it. And a few months went by. And I went on, actually not a few months, uh, a few weeks went by, and I went on a family trip, and we went to celebrate my mom's birthday in Romania. It was this very special occasion, like our whole family got together. It was just awesome, and something that doesn't happen often because we're spread out across the world. We have people in Spain, Sweden, Singapore, and it's very hard to get us all together, especially with kids and spouses and all this. So it was a very special trip. And when we were in Romania, um, I started vlogging a little bit, uh, and I was posting on IGTV. It was very casual, just like me editing and feeling like, man, this is what I'm really passionate about, but there's no way I can pursue uh, developing this media company yet because I, I have no skills. I have no business doing it. I, I, I just had a lot of negative self-talk. And we we got to Sweden, and we were there for a few days, and something changed, not just inside of me, but in Tanya as well, my wife. And I felt like, man, when we get back, 
we're not going back to who we were. Like those people, they're gone. And funny enough, we landed here. We had that mindset. But within 48 hours, we were back to the routine. Oh, shit, when is the next trip? Oh, shit, when do we have to do this thing? And we start falling trap of our old, old behaviors. Seven days later, exactly, I woke up on a Saturday morning and I was lying on my left side and I heard this like little ringing in my ear, like a and I was like, what the heck is this? Uh, and I was like, ah, it'll go away. I got up, I showered, but I showered frantically, just like freaking out. What is this ringing? I sat here actually in my kitchen and I, I just like turned on some podcasts and I was trying to just forget about it, but it, it didn't go away. And it uh, did not just stay with me, but it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I went on this trip. I went to Baton Rouge and uh, I was teaching a seminar there. And as I was teaching the seminar in the middle of it, the ringing in my ear just like took off, went crazy. And it freaked me out. And the whole way home on the plane, I was like, okay, I have to go to the doctor. Something, something's wrong here. And uh, this is like, I have this thing called tinnitus. So I go to the doctor. The doctor says, you're fine. You have to take a hearing test. I take the hearing test. I do all the procedures. They say, you're perfectly fine. It will go away with time. Time went by. It was not going away. It was just getting worse and worse and worse. And as this was getting worse, I was starting to freak out. It was like driving me nuts. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't focus. And um, I went on another work trip to Atlanta. And I landed in Atlanta. I went to my hotel. I was completely neurotic and paranoid and shit did not feel good. I was freaking out. I just wanted to go home. And I didn't know how to deal with this ringing in my ear. So I pulled up some like meditation uh, video on YouTube. I was like, oh man, I'll just meditate. And I've, I've meditated before, but this was the first time I was like, like I really need this right now. Uh, I need, need something to uh, be able to move away from this suffering. So I started meditating and something clicked. I couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but something clicked. And some, something said, Carl, you need to develop a new practice. And when I heard that, you need to develop a new practice, I thought it was a new physical practice, a new you know, meditation practice, be more consistent, a new lifestyle. I didn't know exactly what it was, but you had to develop a new practice. So anyways, I, I, I stuck with meditating twice a day. And um, when I got back from Atlanta, Tanya and I were out uh, for lunch and Tanya was like, well, if you're not happy with the business and the work that you've been doing up until now, why, why not just move on? Maybe close the old business. And immediately I was like, no, nah, we can't do that. That's impossible. We've been doing it for so long. It's crazy. But uh, we finished our lunch and I, I went to the restroom and as I was at the re- in the restroom, I was like washing my hands and I was washing my hands and I was just thinking about what Tanya said. She said, hey, what if you just, you know, uh, move on, close the business, close this chapter. You've done amazing. Just move on and start something new. I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, man, I think you can do it. You, 
if you just take the step, you may be able to do it. So I walked out of that restroom. I walked to Tanya. I was like, we're doing it. We're closing the business and we're starting over. And she's like, well, <laughs> at least at least think about it. So uh, I thought about it for like 24 hours. And then I decided this is what has to happen. And exactly when I decided that it had to be over, you messaged me that that weekend, which is crazy. And uh, here we are. We're, we're doing the podcast. And the question is, what is next? That's what everyone has been asking me. Well, I don't know. But what I do know is that uh, I love podcasting. So here we are, podcasting. Uh, I love creating video content. So we're going to create video content. Uh, I love coaching and teaching. So I'm going to keep coaching and teaching, but I'm going to keep coaching and teaching more in the lifestyle space. So basically, I'm becoming a life coach. Which we'll get into. <laughs> yeah, controversial. Uh, I personally uh, feel like weird just saying that. That's why I've, I've called it lifestyle design. And that's something I started calling uh, my consultation business maybe for like the past 18 months just because I couldn't bear with the title of life coach. Life consultant. Yeah, which, which is also strange. It's like, what business do you have, you 37-year-old dude who lives in San Francisco, California? It doesn't really make sense. Like, what are your credentials? So, uh, But I know that I love doing that, and I know that I love helping people, and I know that I, um, which even saying that I, I love helping people is almost like egotistical in a way of me to say. But it's something that I do... Uh, enjoy I enjoy connecting with people having conversation that is conducive for growth and if I have some advice that I can give then uh, then I'm I'm doing it and the other thing I want to do is I want to get into some business development I want to like with you I want to develop media uh, I want to uh, keep pushing uh, the development of different products such as the products that we have a strike movement and I want to get into some more technology especially when it comes to developing media such as podcasts or video and that's why we're here. And this podcast going forward is still going to have interviews, is still going to have uh, conversations with people that I, I lo- look up to. In fact, we've already recorded one. We recorded one with uh, Lucas Graham, which we'll be uh, releasing very soon. If you don't know who Lucas Graham is, uh, you probably heard his music and uh, you'll get to know him in that, in that episode. And uh, yeah, the podcast is going to be... Uh, my attempt at exploring this new voice. And uh, it's awesome to have you here, Rai, to to support. It's incredible. Yeah, and, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that we um, we found a, an alignment in, in this really synergistic way was really cool. And what's next is exactly this, right? One of the things that you taught me and I think we've resonated around is the uh, Japanese philosophy is philosophy of ikigai Mm -hmm. and one of the key lessons in that is start small Mm -hmm. and that's what this is we're just starting right we don't need to make it some big grand thing it's just we're we're finally ready and um i think we both share the feeling that it's time to begin um and excited about the exploration of what's to come right which is so cool. And I think everyone can relate to that. 
But how cool is it to not just talk about it, but actually do it? Yeah. And I think that's when, when we first met at uh, 5050 here on Geary Street in San Francisco, um, it, it was cool to sit down with you and, and walk away from that first meeting and just being like, damn, Carl's just another guy who's figuring it out. That's an interesting conversation to have mm-hmm. uh, because I say it all the time. I'm just a dude trying to figure it out. But there was a little part of you that thought maybe Carl had it figured out. Yeah, well, I think your um, your social platforms tell a certain story. Um, we, not even if that's something you're deliberately trying to do, it's just um, how we look at the little sexy check mark on the side of someone's name, or which I amount, requested, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, or the amount of followers and the um, consistent practice of putting out content. You know, mm-hmm. that's all good, but. Um, you know, this goes into so many of the other conversations we've had of just not, um, not like putting every single person on a pedestal until you really get to know them. Right. Right. And when you get to know someone, that's when you can really understand the, um, the integrity that they carry with them. And that's where I think, um, I ultimately aligned with you is that it was like, okay, there's no bullshit in this conversation. Um, so one of the questions I had for you is with with your recent exit from your previous company, spending 15 years in the movement space, I mean, more than that, but like 15 dedicated years as a coach, as a coach in it. Um, what were some of the insights that you're, you're taking away in this kind of next chapter? Like where were some of the frustrations, um, and some of the, the positives yeah. I mean, massive positives. I've learned so much. I've met so many people. I've traveled all around the world. I've, uh, I've, I've got to, um, see, uh, how, uh, different cultures are created, especially around the fitness scene, why they're created that way. And unfortunately, a lot of them are developed, uh, originally to help people, but in the long run to make money. Uh, which is is really difficult because we all want to make money. We all want to have uh, a full bank account. But there's something that sits funny with me when you start creating uh, a business around selling programs, around selling education, around selling this solution to a problem that you may not even have, but I am creating for you. It doesn't feel good to me. And I've been in that world for a long time. And as I was scaling and transitioning from teaching seminars, which seminars are a little bit different. They're kind of like an event. So you you pay your admission. And it's not one of those things where I was really looking to scale the seminar business and make it a course that everyone took. I'd rather that course be free. I'd rather the seminar be free. I'd rather all that information be free. In fact, uh, everything that you can find in my book, Freestyle, or that I teach at my seminars, is free. It's online, and it's on YouTube. You can find it all there. You just have to be willing to go through it. People come, people come to the seminars because they want to be close to the source and to have a conversation in person. Because in person, you can't bullshit. You can't hide. Uh, it's happening. 
it's like it's live action basically so um that's why the seminar business is a little bit different but this is what i was kind of referring to is i've seen a lot of people uh start this method for example with the intention of empowering people uh teaching them something that's going to make them feel better uh and and solve their problems right and over time as that has happened because they have been so successful at doing it their methods have been replicated by others meaning that they have lost control of the method itself and as the loss of control starts to happen you start to see the focus of the expert that created the method start to deviate from the original intent to trying to protect the method which is super crazy because now you're starting to spend money on lawyers you're starting to get into conflict you're trying to trying to control the growth of something that you originally set out to do this is what you set out to do and when i was met with that where i started seeing people take the concepts that i had already stolen from other people and then simply repackaged them and communicated them in my voice when i started seeing people copy quote unquote my style my method i realized oh that's what people are scared of they're losing money they're losing audience they're losing attention someone's doing what they originally set out to do better than they are doing better than i am doing and i saw several people start to rise up doing this and i was confronted with this question is do i want to compete with these people or is my job done here and i spent probably 5 years trying to figure that out i could logically tell myself okay my job is done here i don't want to compete with these people i i won i did the thing that i wanted to do i wanted people to understand these concepts this way and to take it stress test it make it better improve it grow it without me it happened but it took me 5 years to get there because i knew that if i let go completely money will stop coming in i will stop uh, getting all the attention that i've been getting uh since i first came out as a coach and found some success and my ego could not handle that couldn't but i would i would justify it by saying you know what i i need to make money so we can uh have this apartment i need to make money so uh we can have food on the table i need to make money so uh you know Uh, we can go and visit family and i would go down this list and i would justify why staying in the grind was important but now finally i've been able to uh let go and what's allowed me to let go has been that for the first time in my life i've been able to say i'm ready to receive and even me saying it right now which i sound confident saying i'm ready to receive i just had a call with my mom like 30 minutes ago right before you got here right uh telling my mom it's like i'm struggling to receive help because i'm the guy i'm supposed to be the guy that has it figured out and that's what i'm seeing uh being the problem not just in the fitness industry or wellness industry but in every self help uh industry. Yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's that's kind of my take. No, I I love that. One of the th- I'm just going back in my notes right now 
I was reflecting the other day, one of the things I wrote down was um, to be just as good at receiving as we are at giving. Nice. And I think that's a really um, important characteristic of people who, who carry their life with a certain level of integrity and values that they want to share with others. Um, and I notice, notice it with your seminars where, um, you know, it's small and intimate. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, people come up and talk to you and you're giving them as much time and like presence as you can. And instead of continuing to teach and coach, you are actually asking questions. Yeah. And, and I think that what you're bringing up is massive. One, one is um, if if we challenge our belief system or what we're teaching our method, uh, we're potentially standing on shaky ground. And when we're standing on shaky ground, now we're not confident. When we're not confident, we can't speak up. And the thing that's already happening behind the scene, which which is when you stand up in front of 50, 100 people or people pay a lot of money to come and see you, there is immediately this like imposter syndrome. And you can either fake it and put up a facade, which I think a lot of people do. And in fact, I remember my first seminar when I was going to go teach it. I felt so guilty getting paid the amount of money that I was going to get paid and showing up to do the thing that I thought, you know what? No one really knows who I am. Maybe I should like show up and do like a big acrobatic pass, like a tumbling pass and some flip and just like land there. That's what I thought I, I should do to like get their attention, to show them that I'm worthy, watch me kind of thing. But then I realized, wait a second, there's another option. I can come in here. I can tell them what I know with confidence. And then what I don't know, I can just say, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I remember that that was the path that I chose in the beginning. And I continued to choose that all the way through my coaching career up until today where I ask 200 questions just to get people thinking and delivering information to me that I need, feeding me information for every single soundbite of information that I give people. Like I'm constantly trying to ask questions. So the the fact that you observe that, that's uh, I take that as a massive compliment that, that I'm constantly asking the questions. Yeah, it felt like... It, it- you're you're in a joint venture with your clients or audience or you know I, they feel like partners more exactly. so right exactly it, that it, that's massive that's massive so i think that's 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 one of the things that right now i feel like in the business that i want to develop going forward i rather have a functional product not a service a, pr- a product a physical product because I think it's um, a great way of creating uh, a more mechanical approach to developing a business. Now, a lot of people, when they hear business, they immediately think uh, dollar machine. It, it's not a dollar machine. A, a business is really the multiplier of a philosophy. And for me, as a coach, for example, one of my philosophies is my intent is to help people get their needs met. If I start a business and in that business, if I'm selling a shoe or a microphone or a phone, if there is any part of my coaching experience that's going to be injected in that, in the philosophy of selling that phone, that product, I need to make sure that people's needs are getting met or I'm I'm helping them get their needs met. 
And that's what I'm trying to multiply. So I think that's important. I think in the wellness industry, that gets lost really quick. An example, uh, without bringing up any names here, I I got an email the other day um, asking me to be part of a mastermind where um, someone had started, you know, three seven-figure businesses, and um, you would pay like three to five thousand dollars to go out there for a few days for this mastermind uh, as a participant. The red flag that comes up for me is if you've started three seven-figure businesses, shouldn't that mastermind just be free? Yes, one thousand percent. Yeah, where did the the seven figures go and the money? Yeah, because I, I know where it goes, but <laughs> it's an it's a, it, it just becomes a little odd there. That that whole mastermind thing becomes confusing. It brings up to me the difference between money and wealth, mm-hmm. and how you measure the two, right? right? And the masterminds that are charging that much are, are they're just constantly chasing money, mm-hmm. where wealth is more chasing a feeling and mm-hmm. and a. Um, a an impact you want to make on others. And to your point, you, you don't get that from just building a funnel system online and selling a program and getting people to pay five, ten thousand dollars to come and have a quote unquote impactful weekend where that changes their life. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there's a, um, there's something that's really um, lost in that where yeah. there's a disparity that's based around like a, a power struggle, I think. For sure. And I think that's where we're, we're at this very fine crossroads when it comes to wellness because we're in the health department. When, when you think about the healthcare system in the United States and how broken it is, just, just thinking how much we pay uh, for health insurance monthly and how little we get to benefit from the healthcare system. Like, for example, just me getting tinnitus, they're stopping me every time they can from moving on to the next doctor or the next, um, the next test because they don't want to spend money on it. So you have to almost like bring in your lawyers, which is going to cost you even more money just to get access to the healthcare that you're paying for. When it comes to wellness, it's the same thing. So there's a very fine line here on what business development looks like. And unfortunately... When you start to grow as an expert in the health, fitness, wellness uh, industry, it starts to get confusing really quickly. And I think that's something that I want to have a conversation about with uh, people as as we go forward in the podcast. Because one of the things that I would like to make sure that we do is that we anchor our conversations around mindset, around physical development, our bodies, health. Uh, around uh, the topic of spirituality, which spirituality, if you're uncomfortable with anything that sounds like uh, spirituality, you may be thinking religion. Don't think religion. Think about spirit as the thing that drives you, the thing that connects you with the rest of the world, what makes you a citizen of planet Earth. That's what spirituality really is. It's kind of like... uh, you know, the, the high school team down the street at George Washington High, uh, there's team spirit when you go to the football games. Team spirit is you're supporting this team and you're standing by your people. That's what spirit spirituality is. And, and I want to talk about that without necessarily going into mysticism and, and actually challenging mysticism if we have to. I want to talk about your relationships with your family uh, and personal development um, I mean, I've, I've done some family therapy uh, as a foster parent and uh, being married, and 
I've done some therapy and and one of the things that a therapist will tell you or someone who's in personal development will tell you, they will say, if you want to see where you're at in your personal development, go see your family. <laughs> it will speak volumes to, to where you're at. So I want to talk about family relationships. I want to talk about friendships, uh, acquaintances, your network, because that's massively important. Then I want to talk about people's craft. Like what is it that you do? For example, when we talked to Lucas Graham, he, he's a singer. And we talked about singing very little, in fact. <laughs> that, uh, and then I want to talk about money because I think money is such uh, uh, an interesting topic for me uh, because I am someone who has uh, seen my parents have no money, seen my parents have money, uh, grow up through uh, uh, a transition there, and then seen that I'm able to generate money. But then I'm, I'm, I, I have these feelings around money that are confusing and I'm I've realized that I'm not the only one who has them and I would like to talk about money on this podcast as well and I think those topics uh are important yeah my my last question was um what scares you right now Mm. well one one thing that has been uh scaring me is um my physical health like, I, I want to take care of my body. And I realized that I have not taken care of my body that well for the last 10 years. Maybe because of traveling. Um, it, so here's the deal. When, this is why one of the main reasons I had to move away from coaching movement and fitness. I happen to have the skills. I happen to know a lot uh, about certain topics within the fitness and movement space but I simply do not love it. I just don't. I don't like doing it. To me, it's like a grind. It requires a lot of effort. It's not effortless effort. It's effortful effort. And I don't mind doing effortful effort, but there has to be some part of my life that feels like effortless effort. For example, when you and I are talking or working, I can go for hours. When I was writing my book, I could go for, that was fun, that was creative, and I was willing to go there because I had a lot of effortless effort in the tank. It may look like hard work for some people, it just was a lot of work. Did I get tired? Yes. The moment I got tired, that's where the discipline had to kick in, and I could put in effortful effort. Uh, so one of the reasons I had to move on from coaching fitness and movement was because I just was not passionate about it. I could not have another conversation about biomechanics or about uh, teaching a muscle up or telling someone uh, how to prepare for uh, some event. I, I just was not interested and I didn't feel like my heart was in it anymore. So in, in the process of just trying to survive for a decade, uh, teaching these these things, I fell completely out of love with my own practice. And here's the crazy thing, is that the only time I would practice was to make more sales, to get more followers, to get more likes, to get more views. Like I knew exactly if I posted something cool, I would make more sales. That month I would make more money. But that was not a deep practice. That was a show-off practice. And that sucks. So what scares me is not uh, dedicating the time to take care of my body that I should be dedicating to do that. And this tinnitus, the ringing in my ear, has been a great wake-up call where now like I meditate twice a day. 
I am consistent going to the gym uh, where I'm, I'm taking CrossFit classes uh, five times uh, a week. I take the regular class. I enjoy it. I focus on movement quality. I am trying to push myself in certain areas. Uh, I uh, go get um, some, some body work done uh, every two weeks, so I'm handling that. Uh, I'm trying to eat better. In fact, uh, a friend of mine uh, who I hope to have on the podcast um, is helping me with my nutrition, making sure that I'm, I'm eating because one of the things that I have not done is eat enough. I, I don't take in enough calories. I could live off of coffee. So that's not very good. And, and that's what, what scares me uh, at the moment, that I'm not taking care of my body or I was not taking care of my body, but now, now I am. Yeah, I think that's really cool to hear you say that coming from um, someone who has a platform around movement and around taking care of your body and for people to hear that you're not perfect at all, right? And that's kind of the point of this conversation is to um, not come across as, as someone that, uh, has all of the answers. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that's massive. And, and I just wanted to add in here, one of the things that I've noticed and that turned me off in the fitness or wellness industry is that people through biohacking or their training or whatever it is that they do, they almost become neurotic and paranoid. And it's like, I don't want to be neurotic and paranoid. I don't want to uh, be worried all the time. I think biohacking is one of the worst things <laughs> I ever discovered. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And some people may, may beg to differ and say, hey, don't you want to live 200 years? I'm like, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure either. Um, I, would I, like, I would like to live a, live a meaningful one, which is, we actually haven't talked about that. Yeah. One of the, the, the taglines for this podcast is that we are trying to have a conversation around what does it look like to have a life that's worth living? So Value. Let's dive into that question. Yeah. What, what, does a life worth living um, mean? Yeah, that, that is a great question. So um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. But I can tell you a couple of things. Uh, just like off the top of my head. Uh, Tanya right now, she, uh, she has been working with me for maybe the last three years. And uh, as I started making this shift away from uh, my, my old business into this new realm, uh, she has taken on uh, the the role of consultant for a company called Beauty Counter, and they work on uh, safer skincare. And she loves doing this, okay? And she works her ass off, but she doesn't call it work. She calls it playing beauty, beauty counter. She's she's having a good time. She's playing a game, basically. And she's doing it because she's passionate about it. She believes in the product. She's connecting with people. She's uh, getting out of her comfort zone. For me to be able to connect with Tanya and her process, that's meaningful. It's brought us closer together. So that that's that's something that's uh, worth living for. The other thing that's worth living for is my relationship with my parents, with my parents, my in-laws, uh, with my siblings, with my friends. It's starting to really nurture that. That's another thing that I want to have a healthy relationship and that's one of the equities that I, I believe in uh, having and investing in and, and that I believe uh, have a lot of value. Uh, the thing that I'm trying to find value in is in my own practice. Right now I have uh, a mindfulness practice, which is my meditation, which I know is going to evolve from just sitting still to something a little bigger. In fact, it, it already has, uh, which is um, movement and stillness go, to, go together. 
hand in hand. And the way that I meditate when I'm sitting is different than the way that I meditate when I'm moving. But it it, it goes together. And I, I want to make sure that my practice there uh, is something that I'm putting good effort into. I'm curious about. I'm interested in it. I can feel uncomfortable, uh, have good days, bad days, but still continue to show up. So uh, meaning or value doesn't happen just on a daily. It happens over time. And this is kind of the concept of can you be okay with what is right now? Can you accept and respect what is right now so over time you can see the true value? Do you have enough space right now in your uh, emotional and mental capacity to not judge what is right now, but to just be aware of it so you don't react to it, but rather respond? And I think that's where value is found. Then there's, there's a part of me that really wants to contribute. I want to contribute to the people around me. I don't know exactly how I do that right now. Maybe through lifestyle design is one thing. Maybe through saying hi to um, the person who lives on the streets right uh, in the park here uh, who is homeless. Maybe that's my contribution at this moment. And we shall see. And that's why we're here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's really getting into the depth of why we are human, why we are alive. And um, in a big way for me, it helps me feel so much more connected Mm -hmm. with other people. And it helps um, not only be like empathetic, but it's more, it's compassion. Mm -hmm. It allows you to have compassion for everyone around you. Which is not the easiest thing to no, do. No, I'm a but, ju- I'm a judgmental person. Like I am judging all the time, and that's very difficult to let go of that kind of stuff. And I don't just judge people; I judge myself as well. So, I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, this is all a conversation around how do we achieve such things. So this brings me to the next question um, that someone asked in your coffee club last week. You discussed luck as a skill. Could you maybe share your thoughts about self-confidence, self-esteem as a skill as well? Mm -hmm. And also dive into the coffee club a little bit and what that is. Right. So uh, first of all, coffee club is my attempt at having uh, uh, a real life gathering of people that are here locally uh, in San Francisco at the moment. But if I if I travel, I'll have coffee club elsewhere. And it's basically taking the connections that I have on social media, taking them to real life and making them something that don't feel like uh, a meetup, uh, like maybe an influencer would do, but more so something that is uh, a place where uh, we we get to connect. Um, yeah, almost like at the same level, uh, if you will. So that's what Coffee Club is. And then during the conversation that we had, uh, I, I can't remember how it came up, but it was around a, a book called The Luck Factor, um, have you heard of it? Anyways, it, The Luck Factor is a book that uh, addresses how uh, some people are lucky and some people are unlucky. And there was this study, and I forget, I think his, uh, his name was um, Wiseman uh, in the UK, a professor in psychology. Okay, He did uh, 10 years of, of uh, research on the, the topic of luck. And one of the tests that he did was he uh, took a group of people, 50% of them said they were lucky, 50% of them said that they were unlucky. He gave them a newspaper or a book 
And he asked every participant to count how many pictures there were in that magazine, that newspaper, that book. The unlucky people, it took them an average of two minutes to count all the pictures. And there were 43 pictures in there. Okay, The lucky people, it took them an average of 10 seconds. The reason it took them an average of 10 seconds to count all the pictures because was because on page two, I think, there was some kind of headline in one of the articles that said, there are 43 pictures in this book. They simply noticed that there, it was written right there. They didn't have to count the pictures. In addition, those who were lucky, it didn't just take them five seconds to find that headline, but they were curious enough to keep going. And there was another headline in there that said that if you're reading this, tell the examiner and the examiner will give you $250. So they didn't just leave with uh, uh, more time to spare, meaning that they finished quicker, the lucky people, but they also left with cash in their pocket. So what Wiseman discovered was that there are four principles that lucky people abide by. Number one, they see and create opportunity. That's the first thing. Uh, Number two, they are um, very resilient people, meaning that if something uh, goes wrong, they're able to bounce back. They're very adaptable. They don't just dwell on something. They just keep keep moving. Uh, The third principle, I believe it's that they have a very optimistic outlook of their future. So they're constantly looking into the future. And there was a fourth principle, and I can't remember that, but um, if I do, I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you guys. Um, yeah, but basically, the, the lucky individual is the person who has developed a mindset that's looking for a certain outcome, is resilient, adaptable, has a very positive uh, outlook on life. Oh, yeah, this was the fourth principle. They trust their intuition over their logic, that a lot of times the things that seem logical, just count the pictures as fast as possible. Sometimes if your gut tells you, hey, there is a trick here, let me see what's going on, and you trust your gut on that, you may just find the headline. And what's interesting about this is that in, the, in academia, for the most part, what happens is that, uh, and especially in science, uh, y- you want to use your logic. But there's a part of the human condition that is very intuitive. We can't neglect intuition. And that was the conversation that we had at Coffee Club the other day. And why that is important is because uh, if you are someone that considers yourself unlucky, uh, you can change that right now. (laughs) It's not going to be easy, but you can. And it has to start by first acknowledging where you're standing, where you are right now. What does that mean? That means that you have to accept and respect all that you are. And here's some consolation for you or a way for you to reconcile is that whatever you did yesterday, that's yesterday. That's in the past. It maybe sucked. You're maybe embarrassed and ashamed about it, but that's not who you are. You are not your behaviors. You are not your actions. And you can always make some kind of reconciliation. You can ask for forgiveness. You can uh, say thank you. (laughs) I learned a lesson. Uh, You can reconnect. You can 
move forward. You just have to accept and respect what is right now. And we can talk about reconciliation in, in another podcast, but I think that's super important. The second thing is you need to see what's ahead of you. You have to have um, a clear vision of what the path looks right right now ahead of you and to ask yourself a couple questions. One, is what I want to do possible? Right? Is it feasible? Uh, most of the times, it is. Second question you have to ask yourself is, is it viable? Meaning, do I have the resources, the money? If you don't have that, what do you have to do to get that? For example, if I want to quit my job as a coach, movement coach, I know that financially I'm going to have to do something (laughs) else. Uh, That may be uh, start driving Uber, work at Taco Bell. I don't know. I'm going to have to get a job. Thankfully, I had some resources and I have an amazing supportive family who are there for me. So I have a buffer and that is a gift. I have those resources. It's a privilege. It's a, it's a super privilege. And uh, talking about privilege is something that we should definitely do going forward. It's massive. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that for now. And then the last question, the third question you have to ask yourself, and this is the most important one, and you may not be able to answer this, which is, is it desirable? Is what I want, is the path that I'm looking ahead at, right now is it something that i want is it desirable because a lot of us see things that we want but it's just in our mind that we want it because when you really get it it's not that pleasant for example for me becoming a new york times bestseller i wanted to be a new york times bestseller i became it seven seconds after becoming it i forgot and i was talking about something else and it didn't really mean uh, much more than that it was just a title uh, making good money or having a very full bank account is something I wanted, but when I had it, I didn't feel any different. So the question is, the thing that you desire, what is the true value in that? What is it going to allow you to do? And if so, what can you do right now without the resources, without the outcome that you are looking for, Uh, that can get you closer to that or allow you to do the things that you're hoping that outcome would allow you to do. And I think that's something that um, uh, is a skill that's learned. And there are many facets to it. It's very complicated. uh, But you can make it very simple if you're willing to go through a practice and create a practice for yourself. That's really interesting because it sounds like lucky people are those who have removed a lot of noise from their life and thus are moving more slowly. And in doing so, there's a a paradox that arises and that's that by moving more slowly or deliberately, you Mm -hmm. could call it, they're actually accelerating. Right. So it's the, the whole idea of taking, you know, three steps back to take one giant step forward. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do that sometimes. We have to just identify what is it that is hard in terms of taking those three steps back. And sometimes it's just how you see yourself, how you perceive yourself. For example, some people say, uh, I am sad. I'm like, you as a person, you're not sad. You feel sad. (laughs) it's, It's a massive difference to be sad than to feel sad. To feel sad is in passing. Something my dad always says is, this too shall pass. The bad stuff is going to pass, and the good stuff is going to pass. So what are you going to do? You, you're, not, you're not now. You just are 
here right now. You're experiencing right now. So that's that's something that uh, when it comes to luck, that's a skill. And we right now, by starting this podcast again, we're creating our luck. We're creating and attracting. That's that's what we're doing. Yep. Okay. Two more. Um, two more questions. All right. Let's you. go for two. Two more questions. So I got one from Kimmy Moss here. Um, is there one piece of universal encouragement that you can offer the audience and me? Yeah, I think that. Kimmy Moss, first of all, Rhetoric in Motion. Uh, Kimmy Moss has been a guest on the podcast. Uh, Kimmy Moss spoke at the Insider, and she's down at Deuce Gym in Venice, California, doing great stuff right now. So shout out to Kimmy. The one piece of, was it advice or encouragement? Encouragement. Well, I think we're all driven by different things. But the encouragement I would uh, give people is to reflect on the things that make you feel full and good and the things that don't make you feel full and good to address them or let them go. That would be the encouragement because if you can do that, you're fueling the fire inside and when you're fueling that fire inside, it keeps you going. It's hard to give a universal tip or advice to people because there there really is no such thing in a lot of ways besides the fact that we all experience love. Mm-hmm. We all experience trauma and pain. That's it, right? That's a- it. And um, and you're not you're not alone. That, no, that's what that's what yeah. you're saying is like we're not alone. No, yeah, not at all. And uh, sometimes you just have to kind of sit there and, and wait. Oh, here it comes! Boom! You ride that. And that's where you're saying reflection. Yeah, comes reflection. In. Yeah. That that's 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 the one piece of encouragement. Yeah. yeah. What reflection is is simply just slowing down. Right. right. It's it's the um, the act of just being present and mindful. And that can sometimes be just reading a book. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite part about reading isn't necessarily what I'm reading about. It's the deliberate act of sitting down and giving myself the space to just read. Exactly. It's as simple as that. And that's beautiful. And And I guess just to kind of tie that back in is that you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. And some people may think oh, that's very woohoo, but that's that's the truth. Because the observer doesn't feel, doesn't think. And you are the observer. And that's I think that's very cool and relieving. And it doesn't get you off the hook. You have responsibility, which we can talk about in another podcast as well. <laughs> Definitely. All right, final question for you. I like this one. Um, not sure who asked it. But what do you want to be when you grow up? Ooh, uh Rich asked that question. I saw that question on my on my feed. I want to be So I was about to say I want to be me, uh but we live in such a me 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 uh society that is not me as in uh look at me, but it's more so someone who is willing to continue the search for the values and the principles that exist within him. That's what I, I would like to uh, continue to uh, search for and, and uh, experience. And I would like to be someone who has a practice, meaning a relationship with his family, friends, a business, a craft, that is constantly being developed, that reminds him, me, of 
those values and those principles the thing that makes me uh, feel on fire inside. That, that's, that's who I want to become. And the reason I say that is because one thing that I've experienced, whether it was through gymnastics trying to go to the Olympics or whether it was in business trying to be the best or writing the book and being a, a bestseller, it's easy to get lost in the, in the meaning, in, in, the, in the true value. I don't want to be lost anymore. I, I want to continue to come back to the path. And it's kind of like a meditation. One thing that's become really clear is that the practice is not meditation itself. It's not sitting down, focusing on my breath. It's returning to my breath. What do I mean by that? It's if I am sitting meditating and my mind starts to go and wander, it's the moment I realize, oh, whoa, I'm wandering off the path. Come back to the breath. It's the moment I come back to the breath that I'm actually practicing. So it's the return to who I am, which is not who I think I am. It's something else. It's something deeper. It's something bigger than I can express through words, which is, yeah, what I would like to be when I grow up. I love that. My final question for you, um, as you are now embarking on this kind of next chapter, we can call it, um, starting this podcast over again, um, kind of taking the coaching and seminars to a slightly different place. Um, what is like a statement you would like to give yourself? Um, almost like how, how do you want to challenge yourself right now? Ooh, that's a great question. I think I'm challenging myself already by not chasing the things that I know work. Meaning, I know that if I post up on my Instagram or on my website right now a few workshops and uh, I uh, talk about certain products in a certain way that I'll make some money and as the money comes in, all of a sudden I can uh, kind of live my life here. Just I'll have food and uh, we can buy things and I don't have to worry about finances, for example. So I think I'm challenging myself already by breaking those patterns and realizing that I am much more than uh, someone who sells a product or sells a seminar. I'm more than a marketer. And, and that's the challenge. And I would like to bring my creative side to the forefront a little bit more and to be a little weird and to be confusing and to do that with the intention of catalyzing uh, difficult conversation around difficult topics. Because I believe if we can do that, we'll have more clarity. And if we have more clarity, we can make better decisions. If we can make better decisions, we all come together more. When we all come together, there's more peace and uh, a sense of fulfillment. So I don't know if that is very concise, but that's I'm already challenging myself just by saying uh, it's time for me to try something new and to get on the podcast and speak to you for an hour. It was great. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that concludes the podcast for today. Uh, we'll be back with more episodes. And uh, yeah, just stay tuned. This is going to be a, an ongoing development uh, for now. It's uh, the freestyle way, but it's probably going to change in title as we are uh, evolving it. And we're pulling the trigger now without uh, worrying about those things at the moment. So thanks for listening. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace. Thank you.